Up next, voices matter with Franziska Pesche. In a democratic society, every voice counts. We are convinced that everyone has a meaningful story to tell. Our new feature, Voices Matter, is a platform to make your voice heard. Welcome everyone to our still new feature, Voices Matter. On Voices Matter, every Monday we invite people to talk about their personal projects, their personal struggles. We invite them to speak about what moves them. Today our guest is Julia Zhang. Julia is planning a trip to Mount Everest. Next month, she is going there. And Julia's personal project, this excursion, is a project to raise funds for a local Luxembourg NGO, a group that helps parents with all the struggles that there are here in Luxembourg. And on Voices Matter today, Julia is going to tell us about her planned trip. Hello, Julia. Hello, Francisca. Thanks for inviting me here. Thanks for coming. I'm very happy that you could make it for our interview. You are going to Mount Everest in April. Yeah. Why? Um, long story short, maybe. <laughs> I found out since I was a teenager that mountain gives me a lot of energy and bring me Back to the basic, connect to the nature. Since then, I started to going back. I call going back to the mountains from time to time, especially the high mountains, snow mountains, which later on in my life, I realized probably mountains somehow resembles the life journey. So for example, you start from the, the sea level, the bottom, and then you go up and you meet a lot of different uh, scenarios, different challenges, and then you go up and up, and then sometimes you want to give up, but you don't. You see the summit, you see the top. You want to see what they are that can go. And then you go to the top, and then you overlook, wow, you how much you have, you have achieved. You appreciate yourself, you reflect yourself. There you see different world, totally different world from different height. And then you won't stay at the highlight forever at the top. Then you have to go down. Then you go down and actually descendant is more difficult than ascendant. That's for mountain climbing. Most of people doesn't have the idea. So you go down and you're back to the original place, the bottom again. Well, I, I kind of find out later in, when I grow older, I'm more wiser, I find out it's really, really resemble the life journey. So that's why I fall in love with that. And also I'm a very nature person. When I'm in nature, I, I see my energy boost and stuff like that. So I go back from time to time. The last one was before the pandemic. I went to Kilimanjaro. Also, it's a charity trip to raise funds for vulnerable girls all over the world. So now I'm going again after four years. No, three years, exactly three years. That was February 2020. So I try to repeat what I love and what I can do for others. Yeah. How did that start? Like when you said you started climbing as a teenager, was that with your family and where and how? And 
It was an interesting story. I will try to make it shorter. <laughs> so when I was a teenager, uh, I was 15, around 15, I caught a virus. That was the only time in my whole life so far. It's like uh, the flu virus, something, but I was almost dead. And um, after that, I give up a lot of things because of physical depletion, the education or even connection with people. I become really lonely and physically weak and uh, depressed. Like you have a long COVID or something like that, like what we are suffering right now. And uh, my father, he saw that and he went to a trip and at the end of the trip was climbing a mountain. And he said, you want to come with me? I said, I cannot do it. You see, I couldn't even go out to walk 10 minutes. He said, well, let's just try. So we tried. After one month's journey to the west of China, at the, uh, reached the end of the journey, which was a, a mountain, a snow mountain. We climbed several days, horses or walking, stuff like that. When I reached the top of the mountain, I had exactly the feeling I just mentioned that. It was my life is transformed. I was there, I said, okay, well, I just, uh, I just had a, a bad um, virus and that's it. And uh, I restored my, my energy there. I think it's, a, it's the beauty of the nature. It's the mighty of the nature that restored me. And from that time on, I understood what can fix me. So whenever I feel I need charge, I went back. That's what I say. I went back to the mountains. Climbing has also a lot to do with physical activity. Well, even walking in the mountains is physically yeah. exhausting, but climbing even more. Yeah. Does that work together with the enjoying of nature part? That's a very, very good question because that is more working with mental because in the nature, we cannot beat up nature. You can't. But every time uh, climbing mountains do request a very fit and good physical body, because just simply every day, for example, you have to track or climb like hours and hours in the mountain with the elevates, elevation of the, the attitude that requires extra physical strength especially in a high mountain when you are above 3,000, then you are facing the problem of lacking of oxygen, exhaustion, or the bad weather and stuff like that. All of this, I think, for me, is, as I said, it's a resemble of life. That's how you battle. You battle but with mental strength. So for, for me, is also why I go back to the mountains from time to time It's also linked to my personal experience these years in my career, in my personal life. I've been through uh, some challenges which are pretty tough. So um, I'm testing myself also in the mountains, mental strengths as well. So for me, it's more, more of testing my mental stress. Physically, I'm luckily, luckily very fit. Well, I don't know, thanks to my gene or my lifestyle, I, I manage my, my physical um, quite well so far. 
<laughs> so I'm very happy with that. So I don't need to make it very much like extra, extra strength on that. I do regular exercise. I do regular hiking. Luxembourg is, is the best place. I have to thank for, for this country. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know. I Luxembourg feel like, uh... has the probably one of the most uh, scenic trails, and they are all marked. You've already talked about your trip to Kilimanjaro, well, shortly. Um, what mountains have you climbed so far? What are the biggest challenges that you've made? So this year is my 20th year in uh, Mount Everest. The first time I went was 20 years ago. There I've been to several Himalaya mountains. So it's like uh, the series of mountains above 5,000, 6,000, even 7,000. So I spent a lot of time, a lot of, lot of time in those mountains. And uh, then I went to, for example, American Rocky Mountains, They're not very high, 3,000, but still they have different landscape. Canada and uh, Europe, for sure, all these um, Zermatt and uh, uh, Mont Blanc, these are tourist, kind of tourist, but they're stunning. They have different attractions. I think the most unforgettable memories actually was Kilimanjaro because I went there at a situation my physical was not the best. That was the first time, or I hope it was the last time that my physical was not the best. I was in the middle of recover my, for example, I have neck pain, back pain or from the work or the, the life, you know, exhaustion and so on. But finally, I got permission from my doctors. They scanned my overall situation mentally and physically. I'm able to go. So it was, uh, let's say, physically not the best situation I went. So a lot of worries and so on. And indeed, at the end, the last three hours before we went to the summit, I lost my consciousness. I, I was hit by low blood pressure, which never happened before. However, we still have three hours in the darkness to the, to the top. That was 5,600 meters high on the very steep slope, pure darkness. It was three o'clock in the morning because normally climb mountain, you start from midnight and hope to see the sunrise at end. When I recall that three hours, I, I don't know how I made it. I was literally body and soul separated. I can see myself physically walking, but I, my, my soul is not there. When I came back, I checked some kind of experience. It's like someone says when you are near death, experiences like that, you have a lot of illusion and You are in another world whatsoever, but I don't know how I made it, but I made it. So that's definitely the, the most risky three hours because my guide or the, the doctors, they, they tried to just, just be stand beside me walking step by step. Otherwise, I couldn't make it. Yeah. And aren't you afraid that something like this might happen again when you go to the next trip? Um, since I have my son, I think I have a lot of fear. 
like the question you just asked, is it doesn't matter it's mountain or you just hit in the traffic or whatever. I have a lot of fear because I want to be with him, educate him and witness his growth through his life. But, um, you know, you cannot let the fear stop you. Anything can happen anytime in our life. So I try to prepare myself, prevent to do any dangerous or risky things, not to risk, let's put it this way, and try to set the limit as well. For example, this time, go to Mount Everest, I'm not going to the top. I try to minimize the risk and so on. I think fear is something in our hearts all the time, all, all, all through the life. Uh, what I try to do is really to concentrate on what I do and uh, then prepare myself physically, mentally, and uh, to, to do it. Yeah. And the actual trip, the actual uh, excursion, how do you prepare that, like, not mentally, but very practically? So first of all, you, you have to choose a very trustworthy a local guide because now all the climbings, high mountains, you need licensed uh, tour guide or doctors. The, there is a team there. You have to choose really the, the reliable ones because when things happen, they are the professionals. Like when I was in Kilimanjaro, the three hours my life relies on them. So first of all, you choose a reliable team. And that you do via by asking people or...? For me, it's mostly accumulated by my experience. When you are into this area, then you know where to find or ask other people. But in this group, you, you can cross-check, do your study. And secondly, you have to prepare all your kits. That's very important. I have a list of like pages <laughs> from uh, clothes to all the kids from top to the to the toe, you know, hats, glasses, uh, sun cream. Sun cream is not cosmetic, no. It's if you, in the mountains, because of the lights, strong lights, if you have damage on your skin, that will also prevent somehow because it's so sore. And uh, tiny things can kill you in the mountain, can stop you, let me say, not kill you, but can stop you. Really, you don't know. And backpack is a critical one because you have to carry the weight every day. Each kilo will add extra burden on you. And thirdly, I think it's still mental. Mental, you believe. Because I had a case uh, one time that on a high attitude, normally uh, when you had this high attitude sickness, the, the guide will evacuate you immediately because that, that, that is a danger. For, for death. But I still see people carry on and they know how to deal with the mental and take proper medicine. They still do. I had a team member who, who, but I also had a team member says, okay, this is too risky. We evacuate. But of course you have to get an agreement with the guide and doctor, but the doctor will see the overall combination of your mental strengths and your physical strengths. So 
It's not only physical. I, I kind of emphasize that, that, that again. Yes, definitely. I can imagine. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're probably also under so much pressure up there. Yeah. Um, how do Because you... your brain will not function well when you have high attitudes. Sickness is like, is because your brain is lack of oxygen. So it's like everything is pressing on you. But And you know, if you evacuate just a thousand meters, that symptom will disappear. It's easy, yeah? You just go down. But you go up, things will get worse. But you know that is if you don't have other side uh, effect, for example, cold or something, you actually can't get over. It's just lack of oxygen. But I know if it's too much, I, I definitely won't risk my life. So do you go with a team with um, how many people are in this group? Yeah, as I said, nowadays climbing high mountains is mandatory. You join the team. You cannot go alone. Like I did 20 years ago, it's still possible. You hire just a shaba, you can go. No, nowadays it's, it's licensed. You have to, to hire a professional team comprised a doctor, a mountain guide, tour guide, a shaba, the porter, and, and so on. And or even for some mountains like Kilimanjaro, you also have a team to cook cooker and stuff like that. Normally up to 10 something maximum. Yeah. What I've heard a bit about Mount Everest and all these um, large mountains is that it has changed a lot in the past years. If you say you've been there, you were there 20 years ago, I can imagine that it has become much more commercial, much more touristy and also on the environmental This is another very, very good question because uh, I concerned a lot about these changes you just mentioned. So there are several changes. First of all, environmental changes. With more and more climbers, it does damage the environmental situation, uh, especially on the top, because all the waste on the top literally left there. The base camp, we can, we can take by ourselves. But the, the things above 7,000 or on the top, normally the, they are left there, unfortunately. As I know from three years ago or four years ago, maybe, the mountain areas on the Chinese side are permanently closed just because it already starts damaging the origin of the rivers. Because in China, all the rivers are originated from Himalayas, uh, the Yangtze River, the Yellow River, so they, they stopped all the uh, commercial and only maybe scientific uh, research and stuff. And it happened the same in the south side, because China has the north side of uh, Himalaya, uh, Mount Everest, Everest. And on the south side is the Nepal side. And uh, this year I read they tried to relocate the base camp because the commercial climbing has uh, made the glaciers melt so fast. I, I don't know, maybe I also contribute to little tiny damage of the mountain. I don't know, but I see big change of, of those places. For example, again, mountain Everest. When I first was there, there is no commercial signs whatsoever, just a tent to, to offer some supply, water or eggs or stuff. Nowadays, I think they build up a base station for mobile phone. 
they build up uh, shops, uh, they build up uh, very, um, you know, facilities, uh, which just imagine beautiful snow mountains and with these concrete buildings and antennas. That's hardened. That's uh, very saddened, I think. It makes my heart sink, honestly. But when I saw the picture these days on the, on the top of the mountain, I was like, wow, it's become a tourist place. Yeah. Well, then I hope that you still will have a good experience on your trip. Thanks a lot, Julia. Thank you very much. That was Julia Zhang in our interview on Voices Matter. We talked about Julia's upcoming excursion to Mount Everest. And maybe a short reminder, she does this project for a good cause. Her excursion to Mount Everest is a fundraising project, in fact. With this trip, she raises funds for a local Luxembourg NGO that supports parents in all the struggles that they have with raising their children. So everyone is invited to support Julia and her project. That was Voices Matter. At Era City Radio, we are convinced that every voice matters. Yours as well. If you want to share your story, contact us at listeners at era.lu or via Era City Radio's social media channel.